Hi, my name is Ruby, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife's assistant, and you're listening to the Dr. Finlayson Fife Podcast Archive. The podcast you'll be listening to today is entitled Dr. Finlayson Fife Talks with Colleague about Dr. Schnarch's impact and differentiation based work. This podcast was originally produced and published by Dr. Dave Jenkins. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy this episode. So, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're up to and how you got from there to here. Okay, good. So, well, I'm Jennifer Finlayson Fife, and I am a licensed therapist and practice in the state of Illinois, but I also, because I work with the Latter-day Saint population, Mormons, um, Mm -hmm. I grew up as a Latter-day Saint and went to Brigham Young University and wrote my dissertation on LDS women and sexuality and and, uh, have a focus in my practice of working with Latter-day Saints, especially, you know, couples and individuals around issues around sexuality and intimate relationships and so on. So that's, that's kind of my niche and the, and the population that I work with and love. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so I practice as a licensed therapist in Illinois, but I also do a lot of online coaching um, because of, you know, working across state boundaries and I do online courses for LDS couples and individuals. And so I do the coaching as sort of an augmentation to some of that uh, educational focus. But I use a lot of, you know, I have been deeply blessed by having crucible um, ideas and training in my life. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that has really shaped how I think and how I teach and, um, you know, what I offer to my community. So uh, got it. I don't sure if I answered your question, but absolutely. Actually, you 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 know led me right into my next question was how did you come across the work of David Snarch? Well, you know, it's interesting because I um I'm just thinking about the timing of this all right now. I think I had just started doing my dissertation research and I was decided to go down to a family networker, I think is what they called it at the time, Right. conference. And Dr. Schnarch was doing a presentation on sexuality. He had just published his book, Passionate Marriage. I was mm-hmm. just barely married. And so I went into that presentation. It was the first time I'd heard of him or heard him. And so I sat and listened to that and I was just really moved by it. And he even had, I just felt like he was speaking something that was really like resonated with my experience, resonated with, you know, my sense of what is the right way to think about human intimacy and human development. I didn't, it's not like I fully understood everything he was right. saying. Right. <laughs> like that's impossible. <laughs> but, you know, but that, but it really was like, I, I really knew in my heart, like I wanted to follow and understand his work. He also gave me an idea, he gave me, but meaning in that presentation, he spoke about an idea that I knew was true for me personally. And then I kind of made a commitment to it. And then it shaped kind of my early development in my marriage in positive ways. Mm. And that was the idea that, um, the reality was I had married somebody that loved me for real. (laughs) And I think it scared me because I think it sort of surpassed my own sense of who I was and what I deserved. Mm-hmm. So I tended to deal with it by kind of dismissing it and trying to be in control of it. 
and kind of minimizing it rather than really opening up and receiving it and living up to it in a way. And there was just an idea that he talked about in that, in that presentation that just made me realize that's what I was doing and that I needed to change it. Mm -hmm. so it made me really start kind of tolerating, kind of opening myself up to that love and letting it kind of stretch me and, and grow into it really. So, yes. which was a great thing. I tell you, you know, when I first met uh, Dr. Snarch, um, you know, he could be pretty harsh. Oh yeah. And he's straightforward, right? It gets you right there. Yeah. I'm curious, what was your gut impression when you first uh, came across him? Um, let's see my gut impression. Well, you know, when he, I heard him that presentation was a little different than the first time I went and actually did like a workshop because mm -hmm. I saw him more in interaction with other people. I mean, I would say that my, my impression of him in this large workshop of of lots of people was just that he was, you know, self-confident and clear-headed, mm -hmm. like clear-headed. That's yes. really how I would have said it. Uh, when I started to interact with him, he was a little bit scary to me. That was probably my <laughs> 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 Which is, you know, it's those workshops are challenging. You know, they're challenging yes. you on so many levels. I like think of myself as a, a pretty theoretically able person. And uh -huh. it push my thinking like I'd be like oh my goodness like what is he saying I can't get my head around it oh yes and then also the personal challenge in it like I would you know the first workshop I ever went to I was like I feel very happily married but am I missing something like what am I missing <laughs> about myself what am I missing about my husband am I as nice a person to be married to as I want to think you know it was mm -hmm. like that level of sort of self-challenge that was just always operating in these workshops. And so I experienced him as challenging. I don't know if there's a better word for it. And, but welcome challenging. Yes. I, I wanted it. I wanted to be challenged. I wanted to be better as a person and better as a therapist. And so, yeah, so yeah, all those things. I know that feeling uh, of especially being challenged to where, you know, the best of you has got to stand up. It's like, ah, oh, I got to yeah. do this as a therapist. Yes. And 100%. as a person. Yeah. And at times I would think, can I do this? Like, am I strong <laughs> enough? Am I committed enough? Am I willing to live this honestly and be this honest with other people? because it's the whole reflective sense of self thing kind of goes out the window pretty fast. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm tracking you. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's definitely asking a lot of us. Yeah. You know, before we uh, started recording, we said something about 2020 being one of those years that's just been, ah, uh, you know, one for the record books. Yeah. And, and, you know, since losing David this year, I tell you, it's definitely, turned uh, my world upside down as well. You know, he and I was just starting to uh, co uh, collaborate on a couple things. And so I was excited about that, but I'm curious as to, you know, how you have been honoring him and his work since learning about his death. Yeah, well, I would say, um, 
I feel like that I have been in some ways more courageous in my individual work with people, meaning, you know, I mean, I've come a long way from where I started in terms of my ability to be straightforward with people and say what's there. Mm -hmm. But after he passed, it was like, it's on us now. Like there's no, you know, sometimes when I'd work with couples that were hard, I'd be like, um, you gotta go see David. Like I would yes, just yes. <laughs> <laughs> I sent a lot of people his way because it was like, you know, I know he can handle it and uh, I'm overwhelmed by this couple. And, um, but now I'm like, no, I don't have that option anymore. And that's a little lazy anyway. And I've got to step it up and bring my best, be, bring my courage. Um, I think it's also, I just find myself bringing him up a lot more in podcasts. I mean, I was always bringing him up quite a bit, but it's just mm -hmm. like, look, this is kind of a signal of the really profound and meaningful work that he's done. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, I feel a lot of gratitude for his courage and clarity of purpose and also the sacrifices, I think in some ways that his wife and daughter paid on some level to be able to facilitate and support his, his work. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I appreciate all of that very much. Yeah. You know, you've echoed quite a few things that I've heard from uh, our colleagues as far as personally stepping up and yeah. really coming, you know, coming into their own and realizing, ah, you know what, I got to move forward. And it's, so it's interesting to hear you also echo that same sentiment, which has been fascinating. Yeah. So, you know, if you had to explain the crucible neurobiological approach to someone that really hasn't come across David Snarch, mm. how would you put it into words? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is challenging. Okay, let me see if I can try and put it into words. It is an approach that takes the work of Murray Bowen, which mm -hmm. is a very valuable paradigm for understanding human functioning. And that is a paradigm of systemic functioning, the way that minds co-evolve, they evolve in relationship to others. And that relational kind of foundational relational reality deeply impacts the way that human beings evolve and understand what's real, understand who they are, understand what relationships are. And these systems are so um, balanced in a way, even if dysfunctional, mm -hmm. that it is often hard to even see how you operate within these meaning systems because you, your mind has developed within them and they're mm -hmm. normal in the sense that they feel like the water you swim in, even if they are deeply dysfunctional and deeply traumatic in a sense. And so I would say that David's work is uh, been about, gosh, can I do it justice? <laughs> There's so much to say. Mm -hmm. But I think primarily or initially, his work was around understanding and taking this systemic model and understanding how it relates to personal development and capacity for intimacy, sexual and emotional intimacy, and how much this dependency or immaturity interferes with the ability to have passionate, open-hearted and intimate relationships 
when there is a fundamental and foundational dependency. So I think his work was really about helping people and therapists see the operating dependencies, psychological dependencies within people and helping them open their eyes to them, self-confront about their participation mm -hmm. in them and be able to mature themselves into people more capable of intimacy. That is being able to be knowable and to know another person, right? Yeah. So, and then I think his later work, the neurobiological aspect is, is, is a more open acknowledgement or understanding about how mind mapping as, and the sort of neurological uh, disgusting parenting, that is to say when there is trauma, mm -hmm. how these things impact that biologically, how the brain de develops within these systems and is sort of wired in and how you can work with the body and work with self-awareness and work within regressions to facilitate yep. growing out of these limited ways of self-understanding and relational behavior. Absolutely. Well, that's my best attempt. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're right on with tracking everything there. What would you say uh, for you is one of the core competencies that uh, stands out for the crucible approach? Core competency, I, I would say, being self-aware, <laughs> not being blind to yourself and your own participation in collusion with clients, with other people, right? Because if you can't, and then we all have it on some level, I would love <laughs> yes, to say do. I am free of all of those, that would be great, but, but the more honestly you live, I, I really don't think you can do this approach unless you live this approach. You, it is not a toolkit, it is a way of being. And, and so you have to live honestly, self-confrontingly in your relationship with your intimate partner, with your kids, with yourself and with clients. And you're only as capable as you are awake to yourself. Yes, you know, that leads me right into the next question and you're already there is, how has the crucible approach affected you personally? Because I know for me, it's been very profound yeah. on the things that I have to really confront myself with and yeah. take courage and move forward anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I'm just trying to think, there's so much to say, but I'm trying to think, you know, I know when I was younger, when I was long before I ever, you know, found crucible thinking I was, probably 17 years old, I was quite insecure, unhappy, trying to kind of figure out what life was about, what relationships were about, what people were about. And I was definitely a pursuer. I was trying, I was definitely trying to kind of make sense of the world that I lived in and um, find out what was true in it. I, I, I tended to have a belief in the reality that truth sets you free. You know, mm -hmm. just concept that I'd grown up with, but that I really believed that pursuing what was true might hurt, but it would facilitate your freedom and your well-being. So I made a commitment at that point in my life sorry, this is in, uh, that I was going to live as honestly with myself as I could, even mm -hmm. if it hurt. I think that I did that. I mean, I don't mean to say I did it like it was a done deal. I, I pushed myself to start doing that more and more. I feel like David's approach, it, it, it gave me a way of understanding and putting some language to 
a process that I already yep. felt and knew on some level, but it helped me to really kind of solidify it and recognize it as a very important way of living, a foundational way of living. I couldn't, that I can't like excuse it away that what you do matters, how honestly you live matters. If you don't, it has meaningful impact on you and on others that it's foundational to being at peace with yourself in your relationships. And so no matter how much it hurts, you just have to go towards what's true. <laughs> and, and so I, I feel like, and this is in some ways, like I just feel like his approach, his way of thinking, his way of training us just kept bringing me back to the reality of that, the profound truth of that. And so um, I feel like I kind of got to a certain point in my own life for that, but he just pushed me to a different level of self-confrontation, self-awareness, relational awareness of who I was in my relationship with my husband and all to my deep benefit. Absolutely. I can definitely appreciate that as well. What do you find for you that is one of the most difficult things about the new uh, crucible approach? Oh, that you can never rest on your laurels. You can never feel like, you know what? I figured it out. I'm good. Yes. <laughs> it's like the more you learn, the more you're like, oh my gosh, you know, like just because human behavior and human development is complex and challenging and to really be able to hold your own in order to really help somebody else. Mm -hmm. it's an endless process. I'm sure David also felt like he was still a person in development on this, you know, and that there was an eternal <laughs> spectrum in terms of how you could improve. And so I think one of the challenging things was kind of always in some ways being aware of what you still weren't good at. I agree. And that was both a gift and a challenge. You know, I'd sometimes go to some of these workshops and be like, oh, I suck. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I can truly relate to that. Believe me, the last workshop where we attended, I was thinking, I was like, oh man, there's so much more I need to know. I know. I yeah. Know. But for me, I agree. That's probably the most challenging, uh, realizing there's still so much more. Yeah. yeah and the self-regulation around it, especially when you're working with a really challenging couple, you know, there's, there's some couples, there are some people that just, you know, they're pretty functional. They, they don't stress you out too much to work with them. They're, they're self-confronting. You tell them something and they're like, Oh, thank you. That is so true. Thank you. And they go do something about it. Yes. <laughs> Great. Right. Uh, but the people that are really hard is where you are bumping up against their mind and your mind's going, Oh my gosh. Like this is to walk into hell to walk into this mind. Yes. Goes the mush. <laughs> exactly. And if I'm going to help this person, I've got to keep my wits about me while I walk into hell. And I, because you know what world they've come out of and you know what they're recreating and what they're doing. And it really, really takes a kind of courage and commitment. And then, you know, when you start going into their mind and sh turning on some lights, they're not going to thank you. That's right. Mm -hmm. That is so, so true. It's, it's, it takes a lot of commitment to the good, you know, a commitment mm -hmm. to the idea that, you're doing something that matters, even if they can't appreciate it. Mm -hmm. and Absolutely. Kind of holding on to your own sense of good and 
God and at least for me, you know, to kind of yeah. feel like I'm even honoring David in some level, you know, there's like holding on to that helps me have some courage. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. But, uh, Jennifer, I really appreciate you. You have been so generous with your time. Um, I know you're involved with a lot of projects. So mm -hmm. if you could take a moment uh, to share with uh, the colleagues, uh, what are you involved with right now? Sure. Well, I first of all, I teach online courses for LDS couples and individuals. So I have you know, a, a relationship course and a sexual intimacy course for couples. I have a course called The Art of Desire, which is a course for LDS women that's about self and sexual development. I take mm. a lot of my dissertation work, you know, that, that that's probably one of my most popular courses. Um, and I just finished developing a men's course for LDS men are also around masculinity right. and sexuality and strength and kind of looking at immature masculine notions and what it is to be strong and, and, um, and, you know, there's a lot of ambivalence within the LDS community around sexuality as there is in many religious communities. And mm -hmm. so really understanding this as a way of being able to love and be loved and to be, you know, uh, unapologetic in a sense for your sexual and masculine natures. So it's great. It's been a very enjoyable course to teach. And um, so I've been doing that, but I also just signed a contract to start um, co-authoring a book on, uh, for, for an LDS audience on um, sexual, uh, no, yeah, sexuality and spirituality. And, wow. and starting to kind of look at some of the kind of misconstructions, because often it's like those are spirituality and sexuality are antithetical. And instead mm -hmm. to kind of draw a bridge between how very linked they are, actually. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more you develop who you are, the more and more both are part of the transcendent human experience. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you're doing some really uh, neat things. Uh, I had, I did get a chance to glimpse at your website. It, you have it really set up nice. So yeah. where can others find you and learn more about you if they want to sure. reach out to you? Sure. So I'm just on my, my name, which is Finlayson hyphen Fife is my husband's name and my name. So F-I-N-L-A-Y-S-O-N hyphen F-I-F-E.com. That's my website. And so on there, I have a podcast. I do a lot of podcasts basically on other people's. I don't have my own per se, but I have hundreds of podcasts. So you, I have a podcast archive and then I also have my courses. And while I make LDS people my kind of niche group, it's really for people, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> human beings. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, any, especially anybody with any kind of a faith-based background, but yeah. So. I, I love that you have the niche of uh, focusing on faith-based people. Yeah. I, it's so vital. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you spending a little bit of your evening with me. And uh, I look forward to connecting up with you again sometime in the future if I could have you back. Sure, I'd love it. That would be great, Dan. All right, great. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Finlayson Fife and the work that she does, check out the links in our show notes below to learn more about where you can find Dr. Finlayson Fife's website, her online courses, information about her upcoming events, information about her free Facebook group, and more. Thank you for being here. 